Nothing makes us hungrier than a good food and cooking movie. Let's break down some of the best that have ever been made. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. And today, we are breaking down the best foodie movies, whether it be about cooking or just about plain eating good food. There are some amazing films out there with some salivating dishes that have been made by the chefs and actors working on them. I'm hungry just thinking about it. Me too. (laughs) But I've been watching a ton of food movies lately, and it got me in the mood. To talk about some of these films and I mean it was all started off by Chef we watched Chef last week with John Favreau and that amazing cast and I was just like I need to watch more food movies because I am feeling it right now well you watch Chef then you posted a video of the grilled cheese and I'm like I gotta watch <laughs> Chef too and then we're like let's just do a food episode like why not there's so many great movies about cuisine about food about cooking like you said just eating and why not do an entire episode breaking down some of our favorites and get a little hungry at the same time and that Chef clip it was funny it's the grilled cheese clip that he makes for his son but it's i i posted it i watched it 10 times in a Me row too. <laughs> i just kept I was like, watching it what kinds of that's like four different types of cheese look at all oh, that yeah. butter he's got some good cheeses that in there you can tell toast the thick bread Whew. oh my god so much butter imagine having a, a <laughs> chef for a father or a mother oh my god the come meals, on the man. meals they cook you just in the afternoon on like a sunday i gotta marry a chef <laughs> that would be fucking great or so someone that like likes to cook a lot to test out recipes on i will be the taste tester like a tiktoker food <laughs> tiktoker be like i gotta DM this girl. <laughs> Not that woman belonging in the kitchen. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just no saying. One saying that Anthony. I would. I mean, it would be cool. It would be a nice perk. Anthony, no I one, like to cook too. Clearly, Anthony. Someone thinks, will take it that way. You sounds, know they it will. It sounds like that's what you want. <laughs> Why would you bring it up? No, I'm also a cook. I like to cook. <laughs> Are you a cook? I'm pretty good. Yeah. I'm not great, but I, I'm pretty. But I'm, you're not a cook. I make a couple. No, I'm not a cook. I'm not a cook. I like to cook. I'm a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize you worked in a restaurant, Anthony. Yeah, I actually get paid to cook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Barely. Anthony makes fucking Trader Joe's <laughs> chicken masala, and he's a cook. It's so much. <laughs> All right, hold on. Hold on. That is, my, is, that a- is my lazy meal, and I still keep cooking involved, but that's my lazy meal, okay? I can make a few things. <laughs> I can make, like, five things. So I'm kind of a big deal. I went to the batting cages last week. Am I a baseball player? You used to be. I, I used to be. I hope you did well. I oh. lied. I didn't go to the batting cages. <laughs> what a liar. It was just for a good metaphor for how big of a liar you are about being a cook. Too bad it didn't work. <laughs> Anyways, let's get into food. Now, before we get into the movies list, I was thinking a fun thing to talk about would be the top 10 best meals Made in movies. It's a I'm good not idea. sure if you'd be into that. I, I'm all about it. I got nowhere else to be right now, dude. <laughs> Let's talk about the best meals in movies. Now, these are these are meals and movies. We're not ranking them in order. It's just you know, ten of them, ten of our favorites, and they're they're shots and their dishes and their sequences that when you watch them on screen in a film, you're like, I fucking need that in my mouth. In or around my mouth right now. Well, not all of them on this list. There are a couple, that's true. There are a couple on this list that look good and you don't want to eat, as well as one that's on here. It's like, why would you eat that? It's just a funny scene. I don't know. I would try. I think I would eat that. <laughs> You'll know what we mean when we would get to it. But first of all, a couple of these are just like some of the best parts of the movies, honestly. And of course, we're missing some. We put this together yes, yes, like, yes. real quick. But let real us know quick. if if there's a meal in a movie that you love that is not on this list, and we'll. 
not add it to an episode. But <laughs> it's going to be too late because we already recorded. Yeah, it's already posted, but just let us know. I don't know what James is going to do with this. I'll look it up. <laughs> and I'll be like, oh, shuck, sorry He might that. respond to the comment. I will respond. We respond to everything. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> All right, let's start with the 10 best meals. And number one on our list, again, this isn't in order of the best, but we have the strudel from Inglorious Bastards when Hans Landa meets Sh- Shoshana or Mademoiselle uh, Lemieux. What's her uh, fake name? Uh, I can't remember. Mademoiselle Lemieux? Uh, yeah, Melan- uh, something Lemieux. Lemieux is yeah. her last name. Shoshana is her real name. And Shoshana has no idea what she's getting in for with <laughs> potentially hosting a premiere for a Nazi film in her movie theater in France. And Hans Landa is the head of security, so he wants to talk to her. And he orders her the strudel there, right? The strudel mm-hmm. with... Wait for the cream. Wait for the cream. The cream, which looks so delicious. He, there's something about Tarantino understanding how important food is to us as Emmanuel Lemieux. Yeah, Emmanuel. 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 Yeah. And so many, like even the beer shot in Django and Chain. You know what I mean? When he's taking the tops off the beer, and obviously the big Kahuna burger. The strudel is really great cinematography. These incredible insert shots of the food. And it just looks so scrumptious. You hear the the texture of the crunching when he cuts into it, when he's chewing on it. It's just really fantastic filmmaking. But also, the strudel is also a test. Hans Landa is testing this woman to see if this woman would eat this. And also, dolloping all that cream on oh there. My God, oh, my yeah. looks so incredible. Yes. And the saddest part about this scene is they both only take, like, one bite. I know. And, and then, then Hans puts a cigarette on it. Oh, what a waste. I... But again, you're right. It's just yeah, a it's test. Just a test, yeah. But also, really clever. He didn't order it to eat the whole thing. And I love Shoshana, or Manuel's reaction. She, like, takes a bite. She doesn't want to enjoy it, but she's like, oh, fuck, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm in a Nazi restaurant in France. <laughs> fuck. That is a good strudel. <laughs> this guy killed my entire family, but, man, that's a good strudel. Damn, it's good. God damn it. <laughs> Next up. Thank you, Hans. <laughs> uh, someone else who understands food, Martin Scorsese. And I think the most famous food scene in his film, Goodfellas, is the prison sauce. Now, the sauce that Henry makes with his brother in the third act of the film looks fantastic, too. But the prison sauce scene is so special in that movie uh, it's the whole sequence of the steaks, throwing all the sausages and stuff. The don't put don't put too many onions in the sauce. How many, put, how many onions do you put in the sauce? Put three put... small onions. <laughs> Slicing the garlic is a very good system. It's still a very good sauce. Still a very good sauce. It was a great method. The, the garlic dissolves. I mean, there's so many incredible moments of just this sequence in this. Like it would be the best scene of any other movie. But yeah, it's it would in, be. But it's in Goodfellas in the middle. And Paulie slicing the garlic yeah. with the razor blade. It's incredible. I've tried to do it. I've never used a razor blade. I've tried to use a sharp knife, but goodness. I believe are, Paul Sorvino used that in real life. And he has that's a what, sauce that you can yeah, buy at stores too. Oh no way! Yeah, he's got a whole line of stuff. Oh man, that's awesome. But it's an iconic scene in terms of what it means to the movie and as well as like the representation of what it's like for wise guys in prison at this time if they were really well connected they're in prison but they're not really in prison <laughs> it <laughs> wasn't so bad they're getting fresh bread the bread the wine it's i just it's such a special scene with the music and then marty's dad stirring the sauce yeah it's just a, it's a magical scene but the henry sauce stirring at the end and yeah. making the meatballs for, and the chicken cutlets yeah actually doing it yeah that felt so much like our kitchen when we were young mom making chicken cutlets or making meatballs or the sauce 
stir don't the sauce. Stir the sauce. Don't eat the. Don't Mom eat the leaves the house for three hours. You're in charge of stirring the sauce, but you're stealing some meatballs. Everybody also, steals one. Everyone's stealing a meatball, and then you're also putting some sauce on bread. Oh my god! Or just dipping com- bread in yeah, it. Yeah, when she's not home, and I f- I'm sorry, Mom. I'm not. I know you're listening, but everyone <laughs> used to steal the meatballs out of the sauce. You can't let six boys around a, a bowl of sauce and meatballs and expect not to get some eaten during the day. Yeah, get that eaten, man. I'm hot. <laughs> there, I will say, I'm not gonna name him. There was one brother who was the worst and would eat. Too many, too many meatballs. It's good. You can have one. You can have one or split one. Yeah, or split one. Yeah, if yeah, they're yeah. the big ones. But there's a brother where it was like, stop eating all the meatballs. <laughs> like it's not dinner yet. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about? Because this is a whole. It's a whole situation. Yes. Like making the sauce takes hours, takes all day. You yeah. make the the sauce. The sauce and you has put to the meat take in, in the, the flavor of the meat. Yeah. You gotta make the meatballs. Let them marinate in the sauce. Put some sausage. The sausage. Oh my the goodness. The pork. Oh the my pork. god. The pork. Goodness, I'm getting so hungry. All right, how about you lead us into our next one? I have Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> the first feast is iconic because you read it in the books and like all the food, the smorgasbord every time. I don't know how every kid at Hogwarts isn't just massive <laughs> and huge because of the food that they get to eat every day. But the feasts are always really exciting to read about. Then to finally see it visually, the the plates and the tables just imaginary, uh, magically appear with food, chicken, pies, pumpkin juice, everything you could ever imagine Desserts. being a, a kid oh and like God. holy crap and I just wish I was Ron Weasley because he <laughs> he's my spirit animal when it comes to eating. We are the Weasleys. Yeah, That's so our like family. just shoving your face with food like why are you stop eating your best friend's missing. <laughs> he's right there. <laughs> your best friend's been missing. <laughs> <laughs> Can you stop eating? But we are the Weasleys. Six boys. I mean, obviously Ginny, obviously, but six boys and a pair of twins. Yeah. So we are the de- the Devney boy. The Devney family is the Weasley family. So we always related to the Weasleys. Was it six boys? So it's it's they have seven boys. So it's Ron, the, the twins, twins Percy, Charlie, Percy, Bill. Six boys and Ginny. Yeah, seven Charlie, kids. Charlie, Percy, Bill. Yeah. Yeah, Charlie, Percy, Bill. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, yeah. so you're right. Yes, yeah, so we are the Weasleys. We are the Weasleys. We just needed a sister. She would have been. Protected but tortured. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, we have the first movie set in Italia on this list, Eat, Pray, Love, the great Julia Roberts travel film. She travels all over the world, but she spends a lot of time in Italy, and she has that famous pizza in Naples. And this has become an extremely famous place in the city. They have signs of, like, pictures of Julia Roberts eating in the restaurant, in that restaurant, and his lines out the door... It's like the original, authentic Napolitano style of pizza. The first ever, like, real pizza that was ever made. They still make it that way with that special oven. And she's just with her friend eating that pizza. It's just an iconic part of the movie. And my God, it does taste that good. Yeah, that's one of my favorite parts of our Italy trip is when we went to Naples and got pizza. Because we're half Italian, but 25% of our blood we found out when we did Ancestry.com. 25% of it is from Naples. So it was, like, sort of like a homage to our bloodline. Yeah. Yeah, in a way, we were tracing our roots. On we were our trip. tracing our roots yeah. on the trip, but like Naples is like legit, like twenty five percent of our blood. Yes, yes, yes. So that was pretty cool to be there. And Naples is where pizza was invented. Was it where it was invented? It's the first ever real gotcha. like. Pizza. I know it's like pizza capital of the world and, and of Italy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also the Italian flag comes from the Margherita pizza. And also, fucking Bologna has great pizza. Bologna's too. <laughs> holy fuck! Bologna was the best food in Italy. I it think it's incredible pizza. It's insane. <laughs> fucking, I had the mortadella with pistachio. But Naples, it's tough to choose where to eat for pizza because there are so many options, yes. and you're like, oh, I don't want. I want to get the best. And they all do like the authentic yeah, style. They're all really good. Yeah, it's like again. I mean, they all do it the same method, same preparations. 
And so there are a bunch of great options. I agree. Next up, we have The Burger from the horror film The Menu that came out last year starring Ray Fiennes, Nicholas Holt, and Anya Taylor-Joy. Now, I don't want to spoil what happens at the end of the movie in case you haven't seen it, but there is a delicious burger that gets made. And my goodness, I was so hungry after I saw this movie. I went to go get a smash burger. Anthony didn't want to join me because he's a little bitch. But (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I was cutting, okay? You were cutting. I ate a lot that day. Just go for a run, bro. Well, just kidding. You weren't a little... Hey, I, I've had plenty of smash burgers. I just wasn't hungry for a fucking smash burger yeah, well, and fries. I, or a bur- it's, it was so good. It was so satisfying because I don't think I've ever walked out of a movie as hungry as I was after this because it has great food in this movie, but it's the very, you know, sophisticated, pretentious, five-star, Michelin-star cuisine, as well as kind of like when you watch the film, it's it's uh, metaphors for what's going on in the movie with the characters. But the burger at the end, holy crap. It was, it's like one of the most delicious things I've ever seen prepared in a movie before. And my God, when she takes a bite out of it, I'm drooling. I love Rafe, and he's just pressing down on it, and the juices are coming out. And there's something to it. I mean, I like my burgers rare. That's how I prefer a burger. But a smash burger is still fucking fantastic if it's made right. I'm a medium rare. I wouldn't say that that was a smash burger, though. That was just a, it was a burger. I guess it wasn't a it smash burger. Sma- you're right, yeah. Smash it, burger, you smashed that oh, shit, Oh, yeah, you're dude. right. It wasn't a smash burger. It's just how he yeah. prepared them yeah, because yeah. of his past. Yeah, it was It was like a, gr- a greasy, cheap kind of style. Cheap, greasy yeah. cheeseburger, yeah, but exactly. it looked incredible yeah. and great. I mean, when you see the film, I don't want to spoil what happens, but I highly recommend watching it, and you will be hungry, and you will get a burger afterwards. We got we got retweeted in BuzzFeed because I, I tweeted that. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that's a great tweet. <laughs> they put us in one of their articles. Next up, we have another cheesy dish. The grilled cheese sandwich in Chef, which we mentioned earlier, there's a lot of fantastic food prepared in this movie, but I would say the grilled cheese is special because of uh, the amount of care and screen time it gets in terms of its entire preparation. Like, the Cubanos are great, but we don't really get to see that much of, like, that insert photography, and I'm sure they're really fantastic. Same thing as, like, the brisket sliders, but we didn't really see them making that. The Elio Olio is great, too. The Elio Olio is great, garlic, yeah. olive oil, sauce, I mean, uh, pasta he makes yeah. for ScarJo. But the grilled cheese is just... A step above, and those the assortments of cheeses, the butter. When he and then when he takes it and puts it on the cutting board and he cuts it with the knife, and you hear the crunch and you see the cheese oozing, you're like, I want that on my tongue right now. There's <laughs> <laughs> no, this is the easiest way I can put it. I just want it in my tongue. I really love the meal he prepares when he leaves the restaurant and he goes to make the meal that he was gonna make the second time for the critic. Oh, and the then, feast. Then yeah. he makes it. At his apartment, and it's like this delicious pork belly dish. Holy crap. Yeah, he slices that pork belly. So many other great sides. Oh, my God. It's an incredible movie, and we'll talk about it in a little bit more. But next up, we have Harold and Kumar in the Mountain of Burgers. They are on a quest (laughs) as little stoners to go find White Castle Burgers or go there. It's a journey to get there, and they finally get the burgers. And it's so satisfying. How many did they order? Like 200 or something? But but just watching them finally enjoy the burgers (laughs) after the journey they went on. And I've never been to a White Castle, but I've had the frozen ones. Yeah. They're really good, but I can only imagine what the in-person ones are because there was never one near us. I can't think of one in Massachusetts. The closest one to us was always like an hour away. Or like Connecticut. I can't yeah. think of one on the East Coast. I think it was Connecticut, yeah. We're like, we're not driving to Connecticut to get cheeseburgers. To get fast food burgers. Like, I'll drive a half hour for a burger. Yeah. We're not, I'm not leaving the state to get a cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> not even a cheeseburger, a slider. A little, yeah, like little, a little baby slider. sliders. What if they suck? Yeah. Because <laughs> fast food can be very hit or miss. Yes. If you got like the C-Squad out, out instead of like the A squad. And White Castle only became famous because of the movie for people like us. Yeah. yeah. I, b- I believe it was like a New York, Connecticut place yeah. or Rhode Island, but never really was a Massachusetts thing. So 
but just seeing them enjoy those burgers, yeah, it's just as as good as watching of like how good it looks. Perfect ending to a movie. Yeah, it was great. Next up, we have Buddy the Elf's breakfast, the candy spaghetti, <laughs> which is just ridiculous. The maple syrup, the M and M's, the chocolate, the spaghetti, <laughs> the cereal. And and just Will Ferrell chewing it, biting into it and chewing it, and he's just like bouncing like a giddy little kid. <laughs> but I, I'm always curious. I'm like, I want that probably does taste good. I don't know. I mean, that's the one I was talking. about. All the pop tarts he throws on it too. Yeah, he, he like breaks one up. Yeah. Although <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, I forgot the pop tarts. <laughs> you know, that's Ooh. the that's the one where we, before we started the list where I was like, there's one on here that I don't know if I'd want to eat, but it's just a great scene. It's really funny. I would take a bite. Absolutely. I would take a, yeah. I mean, when you think about it, it's chocolate and, and sugar and carbs. Yeah. It's a dessert, really. So it's probably pretty good. Why wouldn't it be good? It's salty and sweet. Have you ever had chocolate, like, right after having something salty, like pizza? Yeah. It's actually pretty good. Yeah. Like, cho- yeah. I've had, like, pizza followed by a chocolate chip cookie, and it's surprisingly... I think you're the first person to ever do no, that. No, like, I mean, like, immediately. Oh, like, Like, a bite, taking a bite of pizza and then taking a bite of chocolate chip cookie. No, I've never It done was that. like, yeah. well, this is pretty good. <laughs> Savory and sweet. Yeah. All, yeah, I was like curious. I think I was high when I was like 16. Sounds like something a high kid would do. But I was blown away by how good chocolate chip cookies and, then and pizza were. And you didn't become a chef. And then I did not. <laughs> that would have been your restaurant. Well, I'm not a cook like you, Anthony. <laughs> we, I mean, yeah, it's too bad, man. I mean, no one prepares Trader Joe's chicken masala like Anthony. You should see him, everybody. It's fucking great. Next up, I throw we- butter in it. I throw some milk in it. It's, it's really good. Next on our <laughs> list of best meals, we have the steak from The Matrix. This is when Cypher is going to betray his entire crew and the entirety of Zion to get back into The Matrix and become a slave again so that he can enjoy life again and enjoy the taste of steak and be someone important like an actor. And he's sick of it. And he bites into that juicy, red, medium rare, rare steak. It looks perfect, so fucking good, perfectly man. Perfectly cooked. I know the Matrix is telling. I know this isn't real, and I know the Matrix is telling me it's juicy, juicy and delicious. But you know, what I found out ignorance is bliss. Every time I see that steak, my mouth waters. Like it's in the it, harp. It's exactly how I like my steak cooked. Rare as fuck, it's with a, a nice crisp on the outside. It's a good looking piece of it's, piece of steak. Beautiful piece of meat. I love my meat. I'm so jealous every time we take. I see that bite. Yes. Up. He's like. Oh. So it's good. like it's that you can tell it's that soft, very tender, perfect melt in your mouth, yeah. buttery. Oh my god! Next up, we got some PTA in the house. Now this is one that I said earlier that looks delicious, but I probably wouldn't want yeah, to yeah. eat. No, I mean you definitely don't <laughs> want to eat it. But if you didn't know what it was, so the mushroom omelet and Phantom Threat. Obviously, if you've seen the film, actually I don't want to spoil it. If you have, if you haven't seen the film, I don't want to spoil what's significant about this omelet. But the photography of it. Oh my god, every time I watch this scene and she's making that omelet and you see the bubbling and oh, shot on this beautiful film with incredible lighting, these brilliant insert shots and I'm just like, oh, that's the best looking omelet I've ever seen in my life. Tell me I'm wrong. It's pretty it's, damn good. It's incredible. And it has some consequences when you eat it, yes, so yes. if you haven't seen the movie, I highly recommend checking it out. It is an incredible film. Yeah. And then just the garnish of uh, the parsley on it, it's the mushrooms cook so kiss. well. Perfect. Incredible. Lots of butter. And then, and then our final meal for a movie on this list, and again, there are plenty of others, yeah. is Minnie's Fried Chicken and the Help. Really solid movie, but the food in this movie that's prepared by Minnie is exceptional. The cast iron skillet Ooh, looks so, so good. good. Oh so my God. damn good. Minnie doesn't, I'm Minnie doesn't burn her fried chicken. salivating thinking about it. So, so good. Looks incredible. We didn't do the shit pie. <laughs> <laughs> we did the fried chicken yeah, instead. I wonder, yeah, yeah. It almost made the list. It almost. 
But that's our, our favorite deal meals and dishes in movies. I think that was a good list. Yeah. Now let's get into I'm the, hungry. Yeah, let's get in, I'm salivating. <laughs> I'm gonna eat something. Let's get this. into the movies now. And we'll start off with Chef. And this is a really terrific food movie as well as a great family drama and comedy, great father son, uh broken home family relationship dynamic and it's an incredible story. John Favreau is a great director and we we still really, a very good actor too. Yeah, he's yeah. still solid. You know, he went back to his indie roots, but also making great metaphors about his career working on superhero movies and big budget films with this movie. Made this after Iron Man two. Great cameos. Downey's hysterical in this. Sofia Vergara is great in this. John Linguizamo. But it's an awesome movie. He prepares some really terrific movie um, film, food. You know, he he stars as a former celebrity chef who is sick of the restaurant he's working and he's stuck. He's not allowed to be his creative self he once was when he was one of the most exciting chefs in Florida, in Miami. Now he goes back to his roots, gets a food truck, just goes great back to great cooking and changes his life. I love the movie. It's it's really just a flat-out solid movie, really good story, but the food photography really sets it apart and the celebration of food and just Roy Choi helping out with being such an expert and an incredible chef himself and being the advisor, teaching Favreau how to cook and also preparing the dishes. Like the, the, the dishes are just so beautiful. And it's, it's not like a food movie where it's just a restaurant and their meals. Like I love how eclectic it is, how many styles of food we get to see. We even get to see Southern cooking. We get to see Italian pasta. We get to see grilled cheese. We get to see barbecue. Korean, Korean. Mexican. It's a blend of everything. Yeah. I think just it's Italian. Just a, it's, I think for films, it's like, the greatest celebration of just food in cuisine that we've seen so far because of how many reach how many corners of the world it reaches with its cuisine it's just a wonderful wonderful movie it is and it came out in 2014 <gasps> Rotten Tomatoes it's an 87% and on IMDb it's a 7.2 nice next up we have the most recent film on this list The Menu which came out last year in 2022 on Rotten Tomatoes it is an 88% and on IMDb it is a 7.2 like James said Stars Ray Fiennes, Anya Taylor-Joy, and Nicholas Holt, as well as a large ensemble cast of very solid actors. This movie I really loved. We saw it in theaters because it poked fun at fine cuisine and elitist dining in such a great way. And Anya Taylor-Joy's character is like us, the surrogate audience, of seeing how ridiculous this all is, the refined, high social class kind style of eating and preparing food. And also it shows like as incredible that kind of cooking is and it definitely is and I actually I do like watching content on that I think the one of the heart straight one of the heartstring themes of the movie is how Ray Fine's chef has lost his love for cooking and for feeding and now it's it's all about presentation and it's all about classism and I think that's what the movie's really talking about and how you know food should just be good it can and then there's nothing wrong with having a greasy cheap cheeseburger Sometimes that's the best thing you can eat. And on top of that, burger, like you said, looking so fabulous. The fine dining cuisine is really well done, photographed so well, but also tongue-in-cheek, poking fun at it. It's very funny, and it gets more ridiculous as the dishes go on. Next up, we have Ratatouille. This came out in 2007, and this was a game-changer for Pixar Rotten Tomatoes, it's a 96%. IMDb, it's an 8.1. It was a game changer because they really started to incorporate new technology and software that emulated real-life production with, in terms of cameras, lenses, cinematography, actually hiring legit cinematographers to 
map out their films and design the movies. So just just from a cinematic standpoint, this film was huge for Pixar and their path going forward in uncharted waters for animated films. But also, this movie about a little rat who dreams of being a world-famous chef and being a chef in a real kitchen, just taking over the body of a clumsy chef in a <laughs> kitchen and making incredible dishes. And man, it says so much that an animated film can make you so hungry off animated food. Yeah. It looks incredible. Even the ratatouille at the end looks so delicious and sensational, but the food prepared in this is so funny, so delicious looking, and the movie's hysterical. It's got a ton of hearts, great family elements as well, and it's a really special movie for Pixar, and, and one of my favorites. The soundtrack's great. I love ratatouille. Yeah, I love Remy. He's a great character, and, and his famous nose, he's got an incredible sense of smell, which is important if you want to be a very successful chef having the heightened senses of scent of smell and taste so i, I just love the idea also just just because he's a rat doesn't mean he can't be a great cook like me true yeah like anthony <laughs> and sense of smell goes hand in hand with your sense of taste they're, they're together and that reminds me of the nice guys when gosling's character tells him like i can't smell he's like you're a detective you're a pi and you can't smell this just keeps getting better <laughs> <laughs> i can't smell <laughs> yeah we are but I, we almost put the ratatouille dish on our top 10 dishes but it's just because it's just not it's animated it's, so, yeah it's not real yeah it's not quite yeah so we get we we stuck with just real food for the top 10 list but i mean it does look great um and i've seen the ratatouille dish made many times now online and it looks it looks like so much goes into making that dish to make it perfect it's very it's intricate very precise yeah I've, I've watched so many videos on it every time i watch ratatouille i'm googling ratatouille yeah. dishes and i'm like wow this looks incredible i want it so bad yeah it looks wonderful and when he takes that bite at the end that that's such an important scene when the critic takes a bite of that ratatouille because it shows what food can do to people. You know, it can transport you back to your childhood, back to your home. When you taste something that you recognize from your past, it happens to me all the time sometimes. Like recently I got something at Trader Joe's and the sauce in it, this tomato sauce, tastes just like this restaurant oh, yeah. at the sh called the Chateau back home. And I was like, Anthony, you gotta taste this. And you were right, it I got it. It tastes like our childhood. Yeah, it, it just sent me back in time. I just wanted the uh, the white Italian bread to dip it in. I know, man. I was like, holy shit, you're right, it does taste just like it. It like the Chateau. It's fucking crazy. It's red sauce with tons of oil and spice yeah. and seasoning. Whew, so good. I don't like food, I love it. If I don't like it, I don't swallow. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have one of the sexier films on this list. Chocolat, which came out in 2007. It has a mediocre score on Rotten Tomatoes of 63%, but it does have a good IMDb of 7.3. I I love this movie. stars Juliette Binoche and then Johnny Depp. Juliette Binoche's character, she opens a new chocolate shop in a small French village off the countryside, and she begins breaking the rules of the very traditional culture in the community and opening up the residents to great food and, and connection with one another uh, through her food and through her cooking and through her rebellious nature. It's also extremely extremely sexy and sensual. Johnny, Johnny Depp and Benos are really dynamite together. Um, he plays a vagabond musician gypsy traveling along the river with his friends. Um, they're a great pair together, but... This movie sets itself apart from the others on the, on this list because it's all sweets and desserts and not just chocolates. There's so many more desserts that she makes. And my God, this is one of the better movies that just like when you watch it, you're just like, I want all of this food. And it's just really incredible cuisine. And just I love 
uh, behind the scenes and seeing what goes into the preparation of these dishes that we love so much and how much work and care and effort goes into it. And she she's just wonderful in the role as well. You know what? <clears throat> Excuse me. That reminds me of a movie that I can just has a couple of great food scenes. The Will Ferrell one, um, Stranger Than Fiction. Maggie Gyllenhaal plays a baker. Yes. There are some great baking scenes in that movie. And the I got cookies. you flowers. <laughs> it's, it's a good, cute scene. Good, good joke. But they, uh, those cookies look delicious. You're right. The co- she, she makes cookies. She makes yeah, delicious cookies. Cookie cookie. Yeah. Bakery. And um, yeah, I want to just toss that out there. Just made me think of it. Strangers the Fiction. Yeah, it's not a food movie, but Maggie's character cooks a lot of food for sure. Bakes a lot of cookies. That's a great, that's a great uh, reference. It just popped in my head. I got you flowers. You Chocol- got me flowers? <laughs> <laughs> but they're actually different types of flowers. <laughs> Not like flowers, flower. <laughs> it's a good joke. It's a good movie if you haven't seen it. It's really Solid. fantastic. And Chocolat, going back to that, it was a really successful movie for its Very. budget. Over $150 million global. This was a sensation with all the all the moms in the neighborhood. One of our mom's favorite movies. Yeah, it, I remember she put it on a lot, and that's when we first watched it because she would have it on in the living room, and we'd watch it with her. And, rent that at Blockbuster for oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, she owned that DVD Great sure. cast because they also got Alfred Molina's in this, Judy Dench is in it. Really terrific, solid movie, and... You know, it shows the power of food. Again, what it can do to people. It can change a town and bring people together. Exactly. Next up, we have a documentary. Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Or is it Jiro? Jiro. Jiro Dreams of Sushi came out in 2012. 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. 7.8 on IMDb. This was a huge movie for Netflix early in their streaming days. Massive documentary that just kind of went viral. Everybody watched this doc. And... It really increased my love for sushi so much, just watching the craft and how much went into it. And also, it's just really delicious looking. And maybe the best sushi restaurant on the planet is Jiro's Restaurants. And this movie, I think we were talking about it the other day. You said if it was shot a little better, I think you think it would have been more memorable. Yeah, it was very good, but it didn't get any really awards recognition because... As as great as it was, it could have been photographed better, and it could have had a better story arc in terms of its conflict and narrative. It seemed to just be like a, just a, a trailer, basically, and just a compilation of footage, more so than really telling a great story. And also, the music was overly dramatic sometimes. But otherwise, it's a fascinating doc. He's a fascinating individual. He has perfected the art of sushi making. He is the most renowned chef in that cuisine and it all comes from his work ethic and his commitment and his obsession with the craft do you remember the first time we had sushi dennis took us to the elephant room restaurant the elephant room restaurant the the elephant restaurant is on moody street in waltham on you mean on main street yeah on main street you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah, yeah. that was the first time we ever had sushi it wasn't called the elephant room it was some the elephant walk Bantai. no no it was called like the elephant walk or something was that the first time yeah. we had sushi? Yeah, that was the first okay. time. So we were Den- kids. Dennis introduced us, but Bon Thai on Main Street was lit. So yeah, Bon Thai, but that was Thai, like he, the Elephant Walk. That was just sushi. Was it no? Because the Elephant there was walk an was elephant a, on the sign. No, I know, but it was yeah. a Thai restaurant. I disagree. I disagree. Adam Sandler. You know, Bon Thai was. A thai I will restaurant ask him well. after this, but yeah. I, I believe it was the Elephant Walk. But he did. He did. Uh, give us our first experience with sushi. Yes, because he was a big foodie back then, and he, when he was uh, just out of college or in college, much, yeah, still, yeah, yeah. No, he was, he, he was on the job. Yeah, but we were very young. Yeah. yeah, we were young. He was he was working, but it was a cool experience because I was so curious about sushi, 
and we were probably like 16 or 17, I would say, teenagers. Honestly, I think we were younger. I think Maybe. we were 13, 12, honestly. Something like that. No, yeah. we weren't that young. I think we were little. No, we weren't that young, man. We were teenagers, man. 13's teenager. No, we were like out of middle school. We were in yeah, high school. All right, maybe 14. I think we were very young. Anyways, whatever age <laughs> we were when we were 16 or 17, <laughs> it was a, a really cha- big moment for me because I'd always been curious about it. You're kind of scared of sushi at first. It's like, oh, raw fish. You don't really understand it, especially if you grew up in America and in Boston and you just Eat like Costco. Yeah, you, 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 go to, you go to Costco every Domino's week. Domino's and McDonald's Star is your, Market. Is, yeah. And then Italian food. Like, that's what you eat. You eat a bunch of pasta and, and McDonald's. And then it, I thought it was so delicious my first bite. And I was so fascinated with sushi. And I have been ever since. And it's one of my favorite cuisines. It's not just Japanese food, but sushi in general. I love. Yeah, I agree. It's which one of my favorite things to eat. Uh, I, I could eat it like every day if I could afford it. And True. It's just a, it's just a pricey thing to have if you want for good, good for sushi. good sushi, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I actually some people, I mean, there are people that find it off putting, and it's like their mental idea of the rawness puts them out of, and they don't want to try it, or maybe it, it turns them off of it. And uh, I think with sushi, America, some people, some Americans, I would say, compared to the, maybe the rest of the world, they're they're thrown off by the idea of eating something raw. Because I know people still to this day that. Oh, I don't want to try it. It's raw, or like, oh, I'm just, I'll just have the crab. You know what I mean? The the tempura one. Yeah, or the shrimp. Yeah, the California roll. California roll, safe or, bet. Or, or the eel. Eels cooked, so no, but eel throws people off too. Yeah, but I love yo, eel. you're right. Eel, eel throws is delicious. Off. Eel? I don't want to eat eel. Eel sauce? Oh Holy my god, fuck. I could lick that off a plate. And the eel is just so. T- oh my it god, it's like so chicken. Tender. Delicious. Oh my god, it's great. <laughs> and I, but I do love the dock. It's really great. Next up, we have. Uh, one film in a franchise. It's the Trip franchise. Uh, this is starring Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon, the British comedians and actors. They are playing themselves in these films, and there's really no plot. It's just about them traveling around a different country each time and trying the food. So the first film takes place in England, so they try a lot of English food. But the second film, the trip to Italy is obviously they're driving around Italy. So isn't the, this a series though? There's yeah, three yeah. of them. Yeah. It's so not like a TV series. No, it's a film series. It's, no, it's a film series. Gotcha. And so the whole premise is that Steve Coogan and Rob Ryan they play themselves. Coogan is off uh, in between filming movies and TV shows, and same thing with Brian. Brian's mainly a stand-up, but he does TV and movies too. And so the premise is Coogan is helping write food reviews for a famous magazine, and so he's traveling. Italy trying um, like five star restaurants, and he's asking his friend Rob Bryan to join him. And it's just them literally just being co- comics the whole time, eating great food, making fun of each other, doing Michael Caine impressions. Not Michael Caine. I'm Michael Caine. <laughs> I'm, I won't bear another Batman. It's funny how much we quote this. Yeah, random, nobody knows what yeah, we're talking about. <laughs> we quote that a lot. Like when I say I won't bear another Batman, nobody knows what I'm quoting. Um, they just think I'm quoting Alfred, but I'm quoting Rob Bryan quoting. Alfred, <laughs> but they're just really so funny together. It's just two guys, two longtime friends, basically just shooting the shit, being hilarious. But then also the food is wonderful, and we get to see so many different dishes from all these restaurants. But I like it because it's like they're real restaurants they're going to. It's not all actors, you know. 
the staff there and cooks there, they're really cooks. They know they're making a movie, but it's not like they're hiring actors to play the chefs and stuff. Like, so they're putting the actors in the real environments and filming the narrative out of that. I think it's just a, a wonderful series, and it just always cracks me up. Yeah, it's it's endlessly entertaining, and it's it's really interesting, like the style because it's sort of a movie, but also sort of a documentary at the same time. Kind of a taste of real life, kind and, of like a mockumentary. And yeah. It's beautiful. I mean, yeah. traveling through Italy, the back countries of Italy, and just yeah. all the journey. It's it's incredible. Yeah. It's great. Next up, we have Eat, Drink, Man, Woman from Ang Lee. This came out in 1994. Rotten Tomatoes, 88%. IMDb, it's a 7.8. And this is an incredible cooking movie as well as a great family drama. It stars this man. It's about a man who is a famous chef as well as having three daughters who he's very distant from in terms of communication. However, he communicates to them with food. The way he spreads joy to people is with food, and that's how he expresses himself. He's trying to stay in their lives. <clears throat> they have a weekly feast together despite not being great at talking, but the food is, does his talking for him. So he's trying to stay in their lives while they're also off pursuing their careers and relationships. It's really wonderful. And oh my God, the amount of food that's cooked in this movie, I think it's uh, the be- the most than any of these other movies. Like the, cause, because it's so important to him, he doesn't just make dinner. He makes a fucking buffet of all sorts of Chinese dishes. And it's not just like a main course in apps. It's like six main courses in 15 different sides that he makes. And he prepares it all at home. And but the main conflict for him, other than his his difficulty being an actual father, is he's been losing his sense of taste. So it's affecting him as a cook. It's affecting him at his job. And even his kids are like, "Dad, you, did you taste this before you served it?" It's, she's like, "You you smoked it too much. I can't even eat it." And he's be, he's getting very defensive and also conflicted about losing the trait that made him a great chef in Taipei. Um, Wonderful film, beautiful, beautiful movie. I highly recommend for any of the foodies out there to see this movie ASAP. It's one of Ang Lee's first big breakout movies. Now, before we get into the rest of our list, how about we uh, get into our intermission? I think it's a pretty good idea, Anthony. Now, before we get into it, though, yes. if you want to find out the best way to support Raiders of the Lost Podcast, how could I do that? You could leave five star <laughs> ratings on Spotify or <laughs> Apple Podcasts, aka iTunes. Apple, you can also leave written reviews. I'm going to read one out in about a minute, but this helps us get seen and charted on these platforms and helps new people discover our show. So, leaving those five star reviews and ratings is integral to the success of our show to keep growing. So thank you to everyone who has done that. And also, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Patreon is a subscription-based form of support. We have five different tiers of membership, $2, $5, $10, $25, and $100. Every single tier of membership gets access to two bonus episodes every single week only on Patreon. The weekly chat is exclusively now on Patreon every Wednesday. Every patron has access to that no matter what tier you're in. And also, we do an additional bonus episode every single week for Patreon only that every single tier patron also has access to. Each tier has awesome perks like video messages. $10 gets you access to our Discord. $25 gets you access to a custom episode. The top tier, $100 tier, has a ton of perks like free merchandise as well as you get a watch party with us, just the three of us watching whatever movie you want. As well as after three months in that tier, you can come on the show for a fun guest segment. We'll pop you in for the intermission or something and chat with you and have a great time. 
Thank you to everyone who has been a patron and is becoming a patron of our show. If you want to learn how, go to patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast and join today. This episode, of course, is sponsored by our friends at movieposters.com. Be sure to use our promo code at their website, Raiders10, to get 10% off your order today. They have a huge selection of pretty much every movie and TV show imaginable in their poster library, as well as all sorts of sizes, framing, and even backlighting and framing for your poster needs. We have a ton of these amazing posters all over our sets. I just got this awesome Evil Dead one. I love it. It's pretty cool. It's really it's incredible. Huge. Yeah. It looks so good framed. It's like one of the best posters of all time, really. Yeah, it absolutely is. I agree. It's when she's coming out of the ground with the, th- the hand around her throat. But we got it at movieposters.com, obviously. So be sure to use our promo code Raiders10 at movieposters.com for all of your poster needs. They make great gifts for either you or the film lover in your life. We're also doing a movie poster giveaway with movieposters.com only for our patrons this week. So if you're a Patreon member, you're going to automatically get entered into the movie poster giveaway. We're going to pick a winner in a few days, so keep an eye out for that to see who wins the contest. Now, let's get into our intermission, Anthony. Start the movie quotes competition. You ready? You and I both know you chose this life. You wanted it until you didn't. Can you say it again? Are they like screaming? Yeah. You and I both know you chose this life. You wanted it until you didn't. Are they talking about a marriage? Yeah. Revolutionary Road. No. Damn it. I don't know. Marriage story. Uh. <laughs> God damn it. I was it. like, I thought it was obvious after that clue. <laughs> God damn it. Are they talking about a marriage story? Like their story of their marriage? <laughs> I couldn't be so on, but so off at the same time, man. All right. That fight, man. Whew. In the apartment. I wish you were dead. I can't believe I have to know you for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great movie. Am I, is, I think it's Bombbox's best movie. All right, here's my quote. Great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight. One game. If we played them ten times, they might win nine. But not this game. Not tonight. Tonight we skate with them. Tonight we stay with them. And we shut them down because we can Tonight, we are the greatest blank team in the world. I don't want to, it's a spoiler. <laughs> you were born to be these kinds of sports people. <laughs> <laughs> Every one of you, and you were meant to be here tonight. This is your time. This is, their time is done. It's over. I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a great team they have. Screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Miracle. Yes. Best keep, speed. So we keep saying hockey players. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want to give it away right away. <laughs> ah, Kurt Russell, baby. He's got it's the awesome. best speeches ever in that movie. He's fucking great. <laughs> You're the like, best sports players ever. <laughs> Imagine if that's what your coach did his first speech. You're a great sports player. You're a great sports player. Get out there and play this sport. The <laughs> play play it really hard. <laughs> oh, man. It's a great movie. Inspirational it's as hell. It's a very good sports movie. Guess this movie release year, Anthony. Public Enemies. 2008. 2009. <sighs> Nine. Guess this movie release year. Miracle. 2004. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> two for two. You're on fire. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> 
All right, movie pop quiz time. What is Michael Mann's next film? Ferrari. Yes. Starring Adam Driver and Enzo Ferrari. I wish you were dead. <laughs> Did you see the uh, official image they dropped? A couple of them, yeah. Yeah, it looks great. I saw a bunch of great behind-the-scenes ones. I hope there's a trailer soon. I'm so stoked. All right. Kurt Russell starred in what disaster movie remake? I might, you might lose your perfect record with this one. We'll see. So Kurt Russell starred in a disaster movie remake. Fairly recent. It was 2006, so it's not that old of a movie. <laughs> it's not helping though. <laughs> um, hmm. I'll give you another hint. It's not like a disaster, not like a world disaster movie. It's not like a city's being destroyed. It is a disaster movie though, but it's more contained than like a huge gigantic scope one. Not helping, but I appreciate the hint. <laughs> it's nice to know that it's about just like a small disaster, like a volcano eruption. You want another hint? No, no, no. Let, let me uh, let me see if I can get this one. I was late to. Hey man, I ain't got nowhere to be. Actually, yeah, I don't know what it is. Water is involved. A lot of water is involved. The Poseidon Adventure. Oh, the cruise ship that. Flipped. Oh, yeah. so that was a movie from the seventies. Oh, I didn't know it was a remake. Yeah. Good one. Stump me. There goes my perfect record for the day. Sorry, man. It's okay, you know. You almost had it. I'm not worried about it. Don't worry about Maybe it. Maybe if you watch more movies. How about... <laughs> Sorry, I can't watch seven movies a night like Anthony. <laughs> How about what do we got for Raider haters, Anthony? What do we got for Raider haters this week? Raiders. We got some good ones. <laughs> we got some some regulars. I love how we, there are just like regular haters. It's okay. <clears throat> In our most recent episode, you were wearing your uh, Uma Thurman Pulp Fiction shirt. She's like Mary. Mother the, Mary, yeah, Saint, yeah, the Mary. An outdoor garb, outdoor Gabe wrote six shirt with no link for it. Unsubscribed. <laughs> <laughs> I got that on Etsy. It's a sick shirt. Etsy, yeah. All right, Somewhere, you got that, Gabe. You got that on Etsy. Just search, um, yeah, just search Mia Wallace Pulp Fiction shirt on Mary. Etsy. Yeah. So she's basically, it's like an image of Mary, but she's basically Mia Wallace is like a saint. She's got, you know, she's holding a a syringe. She's bleeding from her eyes. It's cool. Next up, in our 1999 film, Sung P328 wrote, It's Ash that gets turned into stone, not Pikachu in the Pokemon first movie. Unsubscribed! That was Anthony. <laughs> that was my mistake. You're absolutely right. <laughs> it was Ash, yeah. I was crying as a kid. I was crying. Another one from 1999, Daniel Delaporte wrote, This episode made me add 30 movies to my letterbox watch list. Which I'll never be able to get through. Unsubscribed. I believe you. I believe you can get through that. And then we have. Da, 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 da. Oh, I did it last week. That's it. Cool. We have a great five star review from Ib Ibibsby three. I would happily beach both of them off. A must listen for those who want to expand knowledge on their favorite films and the cinephiles who are eager to debate this ending of Inception, Shutter Island, or any film that has a remotely vague and interesting ending. James and Anthony are both super fun and relaxed, except when you get them talking about Trader Joe's or their workout routines and listening to their intercompetitiveness. Uh, you did say this one last did week. Did I say this yeah. last week? Sorry, Abisby. <laughs> you can finish it. There's, yeah, finish it. It's still a good one. Finish it. Finish it. Finish it. Finish it. Finish it. From evil! <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> oh yeah, actually, you're right because then he said that the B, the in Oppenheimer the black and white scenes were Louis Strauss' perspective. Yeah. Sorry, let me get someone else. Um, DD91. Yeah, yeah. Still must, a great, still a great, still review. great review. You got two, <laughs> two shoutouts. A must for all film lovers. Easily a five out of five podcast. Whether it's breaking down films, highlighting directors, or just sharing relevant movie news, this dude is always delivering quality content. I look forward to their podcast every week. And I'm constantly recommending it to others. Thank you, Didi. That's great. Thanks. Didi. Get out of my laboratory. Get out of my laboratory. Get out of my laboratory. Didi. Didi. I hope you're a fan of Dexter's laboratory, Didi. Get out of my laboratory. Didi. Didi. What are you doing? Why did he have an accent and she didn't? No, I feel like you're giving him a Russian accent. He had an accent. No, not like that. He had an accent. Well, I guess because Dexter had, it was just because it was funny. Because he's a crazy um the the actor who played him he based it off like a, an actor or a character okay <laughs> um but it's he definitely has an accent it's pretty funny Didi doesn't yeah Didi Didi get out of my laboratory <laughs> <laughs> all right we moving uh back into the episode streaming recommendation first okay I recommend Jiro Dreams of Sushi which we talked about earlier it's available on Prime definitely check it out if you are a fan of sushi and food documentaries it's really one of the best. I'm recommending Lost in Translation, which just got put onto Netflix for August. Great movie. There's a lot of great drinks in that movie. There are a lot yeah. of great drinks. <laughs> I love the uh, the ad, the photo shoot he's doing, like Bond. Like, James Bond. James Bond. James, James Bond. James Bond. James Bond. James Bond. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then he's like Hutton or Connery. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's get back in and go back with Super Size Me, another documentary. This one took the world by storm in 2004. Rotten Tomatoes, it's a 92%. IMDb, it's 7.2. This was when documentary filmmaker Morgan Spurlock took on the experimental quest of what 30 days of eating nothing but McDonald's fast food for every single meal would do to a person, not only mentally, but physically. And it's shocking, obviously. He knew and we all knew that it was not going to go well and he was going to become very unhealthy and it had horrible effects on his health. Guy almost died making yeah, this movie. Yeah, he almost had a heart attack, I think. It's insane yeah. how unhealthy he became and it's wild. It's eye-opening and I hope that when people see it, they, you know, maybe take a little better care of themselves. But it was an eye-opening film that I think just people don't care about anymore when, when it comes to, like, taking care of yourself or trying to be a little healthier, but... Because it's, wasn't it's he? Wasn't he? Uh, isn't he a runner? He was. He was like very healthy before. He right? was a healthy guy. He yeah. Was like an, yeah. He was an active person. Yeah. But in, in you know, there's that debate of can most people afford anything but fast food? But I mean, yeah. then there's that Bill Burr bit where it's like you go in a grocery store, bananas are eleven 18 cents. Eighteen cents. They're giving them away. <laughs> Dude, peanut butter and jelly sandwich is a dollar. If you, it's a dollar. But it's it's an eye-opening movie yes. for sure, especially because there's another documentary on this list that, you know, American corporate food yes. is a huge issue in this country. And Absolutely. this was an eye-opening movie for a lot of people. Um, it's extremely successful. Successful. Excessful? It's extreme. It's, it's a new it's, word. It's extremely successful. It made $20 million for a doc. Documentaries don't make that kind of money. Shot by himself, yeah. basically. Just him and his, um, his girlfriend yeah. shot it. Twenty million dollars. That's how big. In twenty million dollars in two thousand four. That's about what eight billion today. <laughs> <laughs> that's better than the Avengers. It's been quite a couple of years. That's of more inflation. than Oppenheimer. But no, that's seriously sixty to seventy million if you inflate it to today's money. So it was an extremely successful documentary. Documentaries never make that kind of money. I mean, it could be the most one of the most successful of all time. Well, it's return the, on investment. Yeah, probably for sure. Um, everybody saw it. Everybody was talking about it. 
And, you know, that was the early 2000s. It was a time when people were beginning to change their opinions about food and learning more about food and what they were putting into their bodies and understanding that, like, just because something's been sold to us doesn't mean it's good for us. So I think it was very, it was very eye-opening for me personally. Next up, we got a Bradley Cooper film. A Burnt. Me- a mediocre one. Burnt, which came out in 2014. Right? Oh, I'm sorry. I put yeah. 2004. In 2014. Yeah. This is critically riled by critics with a 28% on Rotten Tomatoes. But it does have a pretty decent IMDb of 6.6. Still not a great movie, but it's very good. I think it's portrayal of behind the scenes of the food industry, of behind the scenes of uh, these big uh, restaurants and you know, fine dining and cuisine and what the cooks are like, what the kitchens are like. Bradley's fantastic. Stephen Knight wrote this film. Sienna Miller is an excellent uh, supporting actor in this film. And the food is really good. I would just say that ultimately the, the narrative doesn't quite work all the way through, but it does have a lot of potential that it kind of just leaves on the, the floor. But that being said, it's still very good. It has a lot of great moments, and I think Bradley is sensational. It's pretty good. I watched it last week for the first time. I'm sorry, it came out in 2015, and I think it had a lot of good things going for it. It doesn't fully deliver for me, and it didn't make me hungry. Mm, and I get hungry when I watch it. The food looked fine, and you know, I I think that some of the writing wasn't there, and I didn't I didn't love this movie. You know, I don't, I don't want to lie. Hey, but I, it was a good a watch. Good, it was yeah. fine. It was a fine watch. You know, I, I was just like, oh, what should I watch tonight? Hey, I've never seen this Bradley Cooper movie. I was like, oh, yeah, it was pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. It's just a Larry David. Pretty good. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Bert. You hate it. <laughs> I didn't hate it. Just like, you just didn't like it. I'm never going to watch it again. <laughs> yeah. I saw a few movies this year I'm never going to watch again. Yeah, same bro. <laughs> same bro. Next up, we have another doc, Food Inc., which came out in 2009. Rotten Tomatoes has a 95%, and IMDb has a high 7.8. This is an extremely illuminating food documentary. I believe it came out on Netflix. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, this is about. No, this is. I don't know, 2009. No, it's it uh, Magnolia. Man. I don't think it was a Netflix movie. It well, might be on Netflix. Well, now. I think it it blew up on Netflix. Probably, yeah. I think that's where it blew yeah. up. Kind of like something like Breaking Bad blew up on Netflix because I remember watching it on Netflix. Yeah, it was, it was Magnolia. Oh, Magnolia Pictures distributed. So, Food Inc. is about the food system in America uh, and how food is raised, how cattle are raised, how cattle are uh, and livestock are turned into food, how destructive that industry can be for so many facets of the world, whether it be Farmers, agriculture, the actual animals, our bodies, the things that are put into it, what processed food really means. All of these things that we've never really knew about food, the food we're eating, the mass production to feed mass consumption, and how destructive and and unhealthy the industry has become, mostly because of corporate entities not really caring about, is food good for you? It's all about how much food can we make? And how fast can we get it out there? And so all of these ter- terrible things that they do in the industry to feed most Americans. And it, it was just a shocking, eye-opening food documentary. Yeah, and also just the distribution chain, the, whole, the yes. entire food chain yeah. of America because it's so fucked up. And I believe this is the documentary. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong where I found out or we found out that 
pizza is classified as a vegetable for elementary schools and I high think schools. so, yeah. So schools could serve pizza classified as a vegetable, which is absurd because yeah. legally they have to serve vegetables in schools, in public schools. But why not just turn it into pizza? Because not only is it cheap and easy to make and costs very little to produce, but also you're going to make lifelong cons- consumers of pizza and fast food and cheap food. But you're going to get them addicted at such a young age. And it's really unsettling. And films like this, again, just like uh, just like Super Size Me, I hope they open people's eyes to the food industry, specifically in America. There's so much terrible stuff in our food. And a lot of times there's nothing we can do about it unless you leave the yes. country or yeah. unless you grow your own food. You can do your best to avoid some of the things that you shouldn't eat. But a lot of people, they're not, they don't know. Even though there's the internet and you can find anything out that you want, a lot of people aren't motivated to find out or they don't really care. They assume they're being told things that are true. But movies like documentaries like this really reveal the truth behind the food chain of America and how corrupt it is, how corporatized it is, and how unnutritious our food is in this country. And also the marketing that is played into it and how we're sold things that on the surface look good for us but are the opposite. And I think the documentary also tackled advertising and marketing in an incredible way to showcase you know it, it's it's silly we live in a country where like you go to the you go to get chicken and it says all natural chicken like they have to put that on it the wasn't label natural before what was it before what does that even mean all natural i'm just getting chicken <laughs> and you find out organic isn't really organic yeah and natural flavoring is not natural flavoring and but like we we're sold these things of like so take like salad dressing for example you think it's good for you but it's horrible it's just oil salad dressing like cheap oil not cheap even olive oil, yeah. oil. it's like, like soybean oil soybean oil vegetable oil with some flavors and that's what they sell for salad dressings but we're sold this as oh this is a healthy alternative you should have salad and, and cover it with all the salad dressing you want because it's not it's not bad for you but that's an example of how these companies and corporations market food to us to make us think what we're eating is something completely different. I can't different. remember if this is the one that they also went on like the war against sugar then also the war against fat. Like everything That's was a low one. fat for a while then everything was low sugar and the way they they ironically are unhealthier because they have to balance off the uh, the sweetness with artificial sweeteners to make it taste good so they take all the sugar out of something and make it it's sugar free but it tastes like but they had, in order for it to not taste like ass they have to put all this fake crap inside of it, and that's uh, yeah. that's more unhealthy for you than a lot of sugar. I think that's a more recent one. Maybe. I think it was one that came out like five or six years ago. But this is a great doc, and whew. Yeah. Holy crap. Let's move on to Julie and a Julia. Fun one. A delightful film where <laughs> we have Mel Streep starring as Julia Child, and then um, Julie, the other main character's film, is played by why Amy, I, Adams. Amy Adams. Amy Adams. <laughs> I just blanked out her name. <laughs> Amy Adams. Now, Julia Child was a, a world-famous chef and cook, like Anthony, obviously. And then <laughs> She's all right. <laughs> Amy Adams plays Julia, who was a blogger who came up with this journey idea. She had she wanted to write a blog because she was stuck at a dead-end job in a cubicle, and her friend sold the blog to a miniseries for Showtime or something like that. And she's like, I can write a blog. And so she decides to take Julia Child's book and cook every meal on it for 365 days straight on a journey and write about it while Julia Child is basically finding herself again back over in Europe and France, basically becoming a chef again yes, over going there. going to school, failing, and then basically becoming a chef because of who she was. Kind of reinventing yeah. herself exactly. in a lot of ways. And reinventing the idea of fine cooking. Exactly. Yeah. And they never meet, which I think is a really interesting part of this movie, where 
to Julie, Julia is her life now. But Julia is just an inspiring person to these people, even though she'll never meet them. It's a great movie. It's full of ups and downs. Obviously, Julia goes through so many tribulations of messing almost everything up she cooks, but also <laughs> making incredible dishes that are delicious, as well as Julia having up, ups and downs. But it's a really delightful film. Yeah, it's playful. It's, yeah, Stanley Tucci is great as yeah. Julia Child's husband. Chris Messina's in it. Yeah, Chris Messina is um, Julia's husband, so the supporting cast is excellent. But I mean, it's Amy Adams and Meryl Streep. Like, it's fucking awesome. And I love Julia Child's story because she entered this world of fine cooking and it was so strict and rigid and there's so many rules and ways you have to do things a certain way. But she found it so disheartening and then she just rejected it all made her own rules did it her own way and that became a sensation that's what really made her so famous was because she did it her way they soon found out that i was fearless and <laughs> <laughs> freaking it's a good streak <laughs> <laughs> Sound like you had no teeth, though. <laughs> Moving on. Next up, we got Eat, Pray, Love with Julia Roberts. This film came out in 2010. It is not liked. It's 36% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 5.8 on IMDb. I think it's a good movie. It's about a woman who is on this new journey after a divorce, uh, rediscovering herself in middle age. She starts traveling, stra- traveling the world embracing new cultures, embracing new foods, um, and then dating men here and there in different parts of the world. And I believe it's Javier she ends up with at the oh, end. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's Javier it, on that on that beach. Like, why did she want to leave? Like, why would you want to leave that guy? Like, come on, stay with him. They have a little conflict. She, he, she's going to, like, I can't stay. He's like, stay. And then she ends up staying with him. Yeah. You it, know, she's post-divorce. She thought she had the perfect life that she wanted, but now she's on a, on a journey of self-discovery that involves a lot of food. She's in different countries, a lot of time in, you know, Italy, India, and meets Javier Bardem's character and just eats a ton of great food. Yeah, and it's just it's just a really great foodie movie. Our mom is a huge Julie Roberts fan, so this was on in her house a lot. Um She's she's a wonderful actor. She's one of the greatest movie stars of all time. She was yeah. huge, massive for about ten years. This was actually she had she took a break because she had kids, and then this is one of her movies when her kids I think had grown up a little oh, bit. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And so because she took like a, a a pretty big substantial hiatus from acting. Yeah, and I'm sure I, I'm I'm sure from her perspective it can get overwhelming to be that big of a star. Julia was probably the biggest star on the planet for maybe five years. She's absolutely the biggest star alive. Younger people might not realize that because they didn't live through it, but Julia Roberts was the biggest star in Hollywood at her inner peak. She was number one. She's huge. Moving on to Pig. This was a Nicolas Cage movie that came out in 2020 last year, 2022 last year. Rotten Tomatoes, it's 97%. IMDb, it's a 6.9. He's terrific in this movie. He plays a former world-famous, world-class chef who is now a humble truffle farmer, lives in the middle of nowhere on his own, cooks his own meals. He just lives a quiet life. And his world is flipped upside down when his precious pig is taken from him and then eventually killed. This is all in the trailer. I'm not spoiling anything. And now he's on a hunt, basically, to find out who did this to his pig. He's basically John Wick style. No. He's he's trying to find the pig. And he doesn't fight people. People think it like people compare it to a John Wick movie, but I it's I not. wouldn't really say it. Maybe he doesn't go around killing people. But there's kind of like a sort of a secret society element yeah, to it, like yeah, an yeah. underground underground society. Not I get secret that. Society. I get there's that. an underground ground element to it, but not like John Wick. John Wick's a huge world underground. Where's the set in Oregon? In Portland. Oregon, Portland. Yeah. yeah. 
It's a really good movie. He's it's one of his best performances ever. Of recent, yeah. And he basically comes back into this world, and people recognize him. Like, where have you been? It's been years since we've seen you in public. And he was such a great chef, and he cooks a couple of terrific dishes in this. The film. roast chicken. The roast chicken's great, yeah. but also. What's that pastry meal he makes inside the cabin? He makes a beautiful pastry dish. Oh yeah, I can't remember. He just he just makes yeah, it yeah, in his own yeah, home, yeah. gets his own ingredients. And truffles are obviously such such a valuable ingredient in the world today. That you know he's kind of in this sort of gangster mobster world that's underground as well, trying to get the most valuable truffles. It's terrific. It's awesome, and some great meals are cooked. Agreed. Um, next up we have delicatessen. Which is a French film from the same director as, as <clears throat> um, Amelie. This film came out in 1999. It has an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 7.1 on IMDb. This movie is kind of like Sweeney Todd. So it's about this, and it's very like surrealist the way it's shot. It's got the same color palette as Amelie, but it's more wild and crazy and graphic and disturbing. It's a horror movie. It's about a butcher who owns an apartment building. And he keeps needing to get new handymen, new new like handyman workers for him because he keeps killing them and turning them into meals and feeding them to the people. So he keeps hiring new workers for him, and so it's like a Sweeney Todd kind we of. We should thing. put Sweeney Todd on the list now. Sweeney Todd, yeah, Sweeney Todd, yeah. meat pies, yeah, meat pies. So, but this movie's really fantastic. It's crazy. It's amazing cinematography and production. Very funny, but also very disturbing. But it, it's an awesome film. Highly recommend checking it out. But it's definitely something you don't want to eat any of the food in this movie. <laughs> Next, we have The 100-Foot Journey. Came out in 2014. Ron Tomatoes, 68%. IMDb, 7.3. Starring Helen Mirren. It's about an Indian family who has to relocate from their home to France, a town in France. And they open up an Indian restaurant because the eldest son of the family is a natural. He's a sensational cook, sensational chef. And his father and the family open up a restaurant to bring Indian cuisine to this little town because no one's ever had it before and they don't understand how good it is or how good of a cook their son is. And Helen Moran, she's a chef that owns uh, the most successful restaurant in the area on the same street. I think it's across the streets. And they butt heads, they compete until she recognizes the talent and potential in the young chef Basically takes them under their wing. It's a really nice story. I really like this movie. It's very good. It's very charming, but also it's another film that challenges like the status quo of dining and traditional dining and and opening up the that industry and that world into new kinds of cooking, new kinds of foods. There isn't one way to do it. And so it's a great example of that. And old recipes, like yeah. it's, it's been 200 years enough. Like let's change it up a little exactly, bit. Exactly. Yeah. Great, a great strong father in this movie as well. And it's it's a really solid movie. I like this movie. Next up, we have The Founder starring Michael Keaton. This came out in 2017. Has an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 7.2 on IMDb. This is a very good movie. It's about the founding of McDonald's and the man who took advantage of the company to claim it for himself, even though he didn't actually begin the company. He bought it from the McDonald's brothers. Yeah, so he didn't buy it. He bought the land, which gave him ownership of the company. Ray Kroc. Yeah, so it was actually an ingenious scheme. He's actually kind of like an antihero villain to the story. But it's fascinating to see because McDonald's is so big, and it's such a major part of not just American culture, of world culture. There are... McDonald's everywhere. There's, I mean, there's got to be like 30,000 McDonald's restaurants, I think, something like that around the world. How many are there? But it's just fascinating to see how it all started. And it started with a very simple burger shack 
40,275. Wow, that's a lot of restaurants. And so starting with by such, from such humble means, and this guy, he saw the genius of the format of the fast food, of how quickly it's made, how delicious it is, and how simple it is. And he helped. He did help grow the company, but eventually, through his ingenuity and through very nefarious means, he figured out a way to take the company for himself and to literally take it away from the men who started it. And it, it's just a really good movie. It could have been. I think this film had the potential to be like a fucking classic and really masterful film. It just didn't quite get there. It's almost there. While you're watching yes. it, you're like, it's, it's almost, almost there. there. There's just, um, the script wasn't just quite there. And also, I, I just think that, for me, the most climactic part of the film is just is the conversation between Keaton and McDonald's founder, uh, played by fucking Ron Swanson. What's his name? I'm sorry. Ra shit, Rick. Fucking end. Rick. Nick. Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> I was close. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Rick. Yeah. Nick Rick. Yeah. You were there. You were right there. Um, it's the most. It's the the best dialogue of the film. And it's the. It's supposed to be the most impactful moment of the movie, but they're having the conversation in a men's bathroom. Kind of takes you out of it. So like, situations like that, and the directing just wasn't quite there. It could have been. Just wasn't, didn't get over the edge, but it's still a very good movie. Next up, we have Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, which is a great animated film coming out of Sony Pictures, 2009. Rotten Tomatoes, 86%, IMDb 6.9. It's about this town that's so broke they can only afford to eat sardines. <laughs> and then a local inventor creates a machine that takes water and turns it into food. And suddenly it starts raining meatballs on the town, and they all think they're saved until it becomes too much and he bit off more than he can chew. It's really funny. Um, this is Lord and Miller's first major breakout. And Bill Hader stars as the lead. He's hilarious. But the movie's very creative, very fun. Uh, it's, it's honestly fucking hilarious, too. But there's so much food in it, and the food looks great. I really enjoyed this film. I, uh, an ex put it on for me. She's like, you got to watch it. I was like, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs? Isn't that, isn't that like a kid's book? She's like, trust me. And I found it to be just so delightful. So engaging and just flat out a really good time. So if you haven't seen it, I think it's one of the better animated films um, out re out lately. Next up, we have a wonderful Japanese film, Tampopo, which came out in 1986. has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 7.9 on IMDb. So it looks like this has the highest rating of all these films. Oh, Ratatouille has an 8.1. But Tampopo is about a recently widowed woman whose husband ran and owned a ramen shop. And so she's trying to maintain the business, knowing nothing about cooking, knowing nothing about being a business owner because he, he did all the work and he ran the business himself. And so rather than closing up shop, she wants to continue it. And so she sucks at first, but then she puts together this ragtag group of men who all have a different, who all have knowledge in very specific areas of whether it be business, restaurant owning, design, and cooking. And so they all bring their unique assets to her and help her create a successful restaurant. Although there are lots of ups and downs and trials and tribulations along the way. It's so funny. It's so charming. And the food is amazing. If you like ramen, this is the movie of, this is the ramen movie. This is it. It's you got to watch movie. it. You got to watch it. And then the final movie on our list is an old childhood classic. 
Good Burger. Good, welcome to Good, Good Burger. Burger. Home of the Good Burger. Can I take your order? It came out in 1997. I feel old as hell. Rotten Tomatoes, 33%. IMDb, 5.7. It's kind of similar to the plot of Dodgeball, where Keenan and Kel play the, the main characters that work at Good Burger. And across <laughs> the street, Mondo Burger opens Mondo up like Burger. a new sexy burger joint. And the only thing that can save Good Burger is Kel's secret sauce, which is like everyone's after the secret recipe for Try the secret sauce. Try and steal it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Keenan and Kel, they're great together. I can't remember. Was this a sketch on All That? It was uh, a sketch, yes. So they it was a did sketch it a bunch. On, on All That, yes. which was like an old teen like SNL, SNL kind of show yeah. back on Nickelodeon back in the day. It was awesome. And then Keenan and Kel, they had their own show, Keenan and Kel. And basically they played, they had their own characters. And basically they're- This the is char- like a recurring. Yeah, this is like the characters that they played on um, Keenan and Kel on Good Burger. And it's funny. It was nostalgic. It was huge when we were young because Keenan and Kel were some of the biggest stars on Nickelodeon. And Keenan has had such an incredible career prolonging it into SNL and being one of the, one of the staples for that show the last 10, 15 years. He's like old reliable now. Like- He's like holding that show together, it seems like. And then Cal, I believe they're making a, a new Good Burger movie yeah, it was now. Announced last it's going year. into development, yeah. so I can't wait to see them two back together on the screen again. I think this was um the first live action Nick movie. Nickelodeon. It could have been. Yeah, I'm not I think sure. this is the first live action. I can either one. confirm or deny that. <laughs> and you could just be talking out of your ass. Hey, I I didn't say it is. I'm just when saying was, I, I'm saying I believe when it was could Are be. You Afraid of the Dark? Was that a film? They turned in, they made a movie out of it. When? Years ago. Maybe it was the second Nickelodeon. Maybe it was. I did not say. I didn't. What? I did not say. This is absolutely without a doubt. I did not hit her. I did not hit her. I did not not say. Hi, doggy. I said. I believe this could be. You said. (laughs) I might be wrong. I believe this could be the first Nick movie. You said fact check me because I know I'm right. (laughs) Anthony Devaney on record. All right, Anthony always right. Devaney. Anyways, Good Burger is just a good time. It's silly. It's fun. It's goofy. It's a blast. It's a good kids movie. And we're gonna finish up. With we picked the best food show, it's the best Chef's Table. My God, Netflix so killed good. it. I've watched every season of this. Every episode is sensational, and they start off strong with a great episode in Italy with pizza and Italian food. But then every season gets better and better. The photography, the cinematography of the food, as well as hitting pretty much every country, every kind of cuisine you could ever imagine. These chefs and cooks that are basically in the middle of nowhere sometimes. The mole these, one, yeah, 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 making these incredible dishes, these these exclusive experiences that you would never have discovered, and every cuisine is represented, every culture is represented. It's a beautiful show, so well made, and I get so hungry when I watch this show. Every time I'm watching, I'm like, all right, I'm on Postmates right now. What am I getting? <laughs> it's it's a wonderful show, and they also do a incredible job of showcasing the stories of the cooks where they came from and uh, how they created this whatever whether it be a restaurant or whatever or even someone on doing street yeah, food exactly. that has a Michelin, there's a there's a street food chef she makes noodle dishes i think it was in korea yes, yeah she has a michelin, michelin star. star yeah and uh, the chicken mole is a michelin star too as well They're, i think they all are michelin. yeah um i loved the guy who lives like in the middle of Siberia, yeah, or yeah, yeah, and he makes food with on fire out out in the wilderness, and and also there's the meat guy in Italy, who uh, he just makes meats on fire with no seasoning, um, and he's just he's like the famous steak guy in Italy. There's so many incredible, and there's another the Indian chef, the woman who opened a restaurant and and cooks like she like revolutionized Indian food in I think it's in London, I think that restaurant, but. The stories are incredible. They're, the stories are just as good as the cooking, honestly. And that's what makes the show great. Plus, the, the cinematography 
in production design, it sets itself apart from any other cooking show. Then we watch season one, then you go to like season four, it's like, whoa, the production yeah, value increased. Yeah. They got, they got some budget. Yeah. I highly recommend if you've never seen Chef's Table, watch it ASAP. It's incredible. You will you'll binge it so bad. And the best joke in the in the menu is Nicholas Holt said he's seen every episode of Chef's Table. <laughs> yeah, it's a good joke. <laughs> I've seen every episode of Chef's Table three times. All right, that wraps our foodie movie. We hope you have a rumbling stomach and are able to satiate it with something delicious after listening to this episode of Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. Let us know what your favorite food movie is in the comments section on Spotify. Send us a DM, YouTube, wherever. But we love Send us when, a YouTube. Yeah, we love when you interact with us on Spotify, on the polls and everything, so send some comments there. Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate you so much. See you next time. This episode was executive produced by our Chosen One patrons, Cody Moen, Andrew Hagen, Becca Keen, Benjamin Cook, Calvin Murphy-Griggs, Nicholas Martin, Darian, Tyler McFly, and Sal Koching. Our Chosen One patrons are our biggest supporters. Thank you so much. Thank you for watching Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button, hit the like button as well, notifications for sure. Listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere you can listen to podcasts. And be sure to check out this other content we have on our YouTube channel.